You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Okay, this morning we're privileged. We have a man and woman of God to bring the word to us this morning. Um, sometime last year, Mark was here to do the finance seminar. Let me see, how many people were there for that seminar? Yeah, okay, yeah. Some people are not around today, but yeah, some of everybody that came to that seminar testified of um, the uh, wisdom and how God used him to really impart knowledge and understanding, especially uh, in the area of finance. And God has been using him mightily. He's here with his wife, Rhoda. And uh, they have a ministry, it calls Your Money Counts, a UK-based ministry. And they are here to bless us this morning. How many people know that finance is important? Money is important, right? Yeah, God uses money. But money has, the devil also uses money. And, uh, yeah, Doc said something. He said that uh, many people are baptized, but their wallets are not baptized. Huh? They are born again, but their wallets are not born again. Yeah. So, God, you know, you go into the water and your wallet. <laughs> yeah. But I believe that as, 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 as we receive the word today, we are not only going to be blessed, we will be informed. And there is a process. You know, we need to be discipled even in money. Yes, and I believe that he will start that today. Amen? So without any waste of time, I want to receive uh, Mark Littleboom. Littleboom. Lloyd Bottom, sorry. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Bless you. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me? Just to say, uh, Malay, I was just truly, truly, truly amazing. I'd like to ask three or four members of the worship team just to get round you at the end and pray with you as you've had this amazing sort of journey i think it's important that the body just come around you as a young lady and just lay hands on you and pray anyhow my name is <laughs> pastor bless you the last name is lloyd bottom and um when my wife agreed to marry me she didn't know that three or four weeks after the wedding she would go into the local uh, we call it a chemist or a pharmacy, to get some medicine. And there was an Indian pharmacist, and uh, she was asked to wait until he'd prepared the medication. And then a shop full of people were around waiting for their prescriptions. And as the pharmacist came out with my wife's prescription, 
He said, oh, he was Indian, by the way. So I'm not very good at Indian accents, but I will have a go. Oh, Mrs. Upbottom? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how many of you have, Malay, this is any, I'm sharing this only because of what you shared. And I'm not going to add anything, but I don't know how many of you have ever watched the video by Louis Giglio called Indescribable. And that talks about the universe. And if you haven't watched it, you can watch it on YouTube. And this is the very same background that plays on the indescribable video. And as you were talking and sharing about your experience in heaven, it just reminded me as I was listening to you that we are so tiny so very, very, very tiny. And if you've listened to Louis Giglio, you'll know he says we're very, 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 very small. And yet this is such a massive continent. I have so many friends in Bristol, England, uh, that are African. Uh, My covenant brother, I think, has stood in this pulpit. Uh, Pastor Ossian Sabanda and his wife Fatima Uh, I know you love him. We love him especially. He's been my covenant brother for about 20 years, and uh, we've shared intimate things together. And and I had dinner with him two weeks ago, so uh, I'd like just to bring his greetings and blessings from Bristol. So just to share this, that um, I was brought up by my mum. My father, 64, three years ago, absented himself from home. Oh, and there was an occasion about 10 or 15 years ago when somebody was listening to me talking, and uh, he talked to Rhoda afterwards and said to Rhoda, I can tell that your husband wasn't brought up in a two-parent family. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't understand that, and guess what? I don't even want to understand it. Because about 20 years ago, I went to a ministry in our church in Bath, England. And that's where I knew and understood and received God as my father. So here's what I want to say to you. Those of you who are perhaps single parents, uh, I want you to love your children with the love of God and bring into their lives the understanding that God is their father. And should there be anybody here or anybody that you know in your family who is contemplating not staying in the marital home, I want to say to you, as somebody who's now advanced a little in years but still remembers that my mother faithfully brought me up and took me to church, I want you to know that actually... Marriage is for life. And uh, somebody sort of said one day, you know, but you don't understand, you know, my wife and I aren't getting on. I said, you made a promise before God. No, you're not listening to me. You don't understand. You know, it's got to the point where my wife and I hate each other. And I said, that's okay, because the Bible tells us to love our enemies. (laughs) So go back and love her. 
So for those of you that have heard me before, uh, this is the short version. Um, but as, an, as a young lad, I, I had an inquiring mind. I wanted to understand things. And sometimes church created more questions in my mind than answers. I mean, you go to church and, you know, what is the Holy I'm in an Anglican church. What is the Holy Spirit? I'm, in, I'm like eight years old. I'm in the choir. Well, the only reason I go to choir three times on a Sunday is because I get paid. And as an eight-year-old, mum didn't have any money. And so that was one way that I could get a little bit of money to go and buy some sweeties and what have you. So what is the Holy Spirit? And then I'm in church and um, I'm sort of learning about the Jews. And I think, who are the Jews? What does the Bible really say about the Jews? And so I've learned through my life to do what I call thematic studies to drill down, I didn't have Bible Gateway in those days, for those of you that are familiar with Bible Gateway, I didn't have tools to help me drill down. Uh, but then there was one day where I'm going to school and they're talking in sort of lessons about sort of, you know, creation and billions of years. And then I'm going to church and uh, I'm learning sort of that God is the creator. And that brought more questions into my life than ever before. And so I went on a journey, and I thought, I have, as a young man, to understand how my faith connects with the real world. Except my faith is the real world. So how do these two worlds relate to each other? What is truth? I'm a youngster, 19 to 21 years old at this stage. And so I discovered something, for me, that was just truly amazing. Now, we're going to try the technology, I think. And there should be some slides coming up. How are we doing, team? Now, can we show full screen? I have a full screen. Can you all see that? So, the Bible tells us that God was the creator. And I'm sat in the Anglican church, you know, Three in one, one in three makes the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm like 12 years old. I don't understand this. Oh, incidentally, church and worship team. Fantastic worship, okay? Seven bandsmen love you to bits, just great. But especially you six who were leading the worship. You didn't know this, but my football team that I've followed for 50 years play in black and gold. <laughs> so only God knew this morning how you would <laughs> warm my heart. So we're going to look at the Bible. And what the Bible tells us is this, is that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And then it says this, in 1 John 1, 3, through him all things were made. And so we're starting to uncover, as a 19-year-old, I'm starting to uncover some mysteries. Because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if I say to you, who created the heavens and the earth, you'd say God. But I'd say, hold on, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's a plan going on here. Because in the New Testament, we read that the Word, which we know is Jesus, was with God. He was with God. And then look what's next. Through 
Jesus, all things were made. Without any lawyers here? Okay, when we're seeking to grow the church, it might be a tough thing, but bring in some lawyers. <laughs> Pray for them every week. Okay. Without Jesus, nothing was made. So let's go into uh, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Again, it says, For by Jesus were all things created that are in heaven, all things that were created by him and for him. So I'm 21 years old, and I'm starting to see a pattern in the Bible, in the Old Testament. God the Father had the plan. How many of you are dads? You know, you have plans for the household, maybe plans for your children, plans for things to do, adventures to go on together. So God the Father has a plan. And he, so, he sort of says, he gets on his cell phone one day. Uh, Malay, this is a little bit irre irre irreverent, unlike what you shared. So God gets on the cell phone one day and says, Jesus, come and see me. Yes, Dad, what do you want? I've got a really good idea. I want you to go and get on with creating the universe. Sure, when? I haven't got time this afternoon, but tomorrow morning works fine. <laughs> so you get the idea. Oh, in Genesis chapter 2, by the way, you see the third part of the Trinity. Because God the Father had the idea. I think you might agree that as a 19-year-old, I got hold of something. Because in chapter 2... What happens at the beginning of chapter 2? See, God the Father had the plan, Jesus did it, and the Holy Spirit came and checked out everything that the Son had done, brooded over the heavens and the earth. Now, let's just go one stage further, because you know, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I want you to know this is a great place to come and learn about Jesus Christ. Uh, literally, he was on this earth two days ago. <laughs> Jesus was here, Malay, two days ago. No, no, 2,000 years ago. Yes, but the Bible tells us that for God, a day is but a 1,000 years. And I like to think like God thinks because that helps me get closer to God. So let's read what we see in, in, in Hebrews. The one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. We are family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call you and I brothers and sisters. So the creator of the heavens and of the earth, who you've accepted as your savior, is today your brother, and he is your, and you are his sister. I love to cross-reference things. It's not just one verse here. When you do thematic studies, you look at the totality of what scripture says. You don't just pull one verse right out of context. Jesus said, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. There's always conditions and responsibilities. So here's what I learned as a 19-year-old. I learned that, you know, there may be some great things that we could learn in evolution. Maybe some of what happened was part of evolution. But I want to know this. As a 19-year-old, Jesus Christ, who lives inside of me, is the creator of the heavens and the earth. That makes it real simple uh, to understand the heavens and the earth. This is a little bit about my country, England. Uh, you're familiar with tuberculosis? We're in the grip of TB in England. 
we're gripped <laughs> by this, and we're gripped by this. We, 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 we even have an election, which is the Brexit election. But we're not in England, we're in South Africa. And so I want to ask you this question. What in the world is gripping and distracting you? You know, are we just smooth? You know, Sunday morning only, we come to every nation. What is it that's distracting us out there? It could be money issues. Uh, you probably recognize this as your, yeah. Is it sort of the economy? Is it, there are things that the world uses to distract us. It could be the screen, you know? I mean, do your children have this problem? You know, <laughs> stop. Yes, mum. <laughs> what is it that's distracting you? And you know that I'm going to talk this morning a little bit about finance. Oh, incidentally, there are five things that people don't like to talk about. Let's get rid of two of them. Although in our country, we're a bit sort of obsessed with it at the moment. We, we don't like to talk about things like uh, religion and politics. But the three biggies, do you know the three biggies that people don't like to talk about? Yeah, the first one is death. Well, Malay, we've got the answer, haven't we? You know, we know we're going into eternity. But there's other people out there who are going to hell. So our responsibility as those who have received Jesus Christ into our lives, why would you want to keep the good news to yourself? I said to somebody, where should I go and stay? What should I go and see? And people gave me some great ideas of what to do on our vacation over here. You see, are we in the grip of greed? Cyril Ramaphosa recently said this, it is time to get rid of greedy and corrupt people. Do you have Volkswagen cars over here? Do you have any with dodgy software? <laughs> Put your hands up with dodgy software. Come on, hands up. And then over the last couple of years, I've been coming over, so I know all about fire pools. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I know all about builders that charge lots of money and don't build buildings properly, and all about sort of like Nakandler. So we know that sort of politicians come to my country, come to your country, come wherever, and politicians seem to know that the DNA of so many of us is greed. Oh, actually, this is something. Have you noticed this? Yeah. That sort of chocolate bars keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> and, I mean, I, did this happen over here? There used to be 11 ridges on the Toblerone. <laughs> and they reduced the number of ridges to nine. So anyway, we don't like to talk about death. The other thing we don't like to talk about is sex. And the last thing that people don't like to hear about is money. So how many of you, when Pastor Eric, after that amazing worship and after the testimony that we had, Pastor stood up and said, so Mark's going to talk about money. And you think, ooh. <laughs> now, if you're down here, what I want to do is take you up there because you're going to learn a few exciting things today. Uh, let's just talk very briefly about debt. A few statistics about your country. You know that the world has suddenly decided that your bonds, your international bonds, have now reached junk status. Okay? There are some things that we should not receive. We shouldn't receive junk in our lives. 
and we shouldn't believe the things that are said about you and these, this country. 23% of Afri South Africans have money left at the end of the month. In other words, for many people, there is more month than money. <laughs> Half of consumers are paying 75% of their income to repay debt. Incidentally, to the extent that you find these credible resources, I am where I can. I'm giving you the evidence of where I got this from. So this was from Debt Rescue. If I remember rightly, 18 months ago, 90% of the miners' pay packet went in loan repayments. Many of those families, when they lose the income, if, it, if the breadwinner, and presumably if it's the mining industry, it could probably be the male, I mean, m women, men's self-esteem can go down like this. I mean, how many of you have got, you know, how many of you are married women? And you know what it is, you have to stroke your man and sort of <laughs> say, you're wonderful, you're great, I love you. Oh, men, why is it that the women want us to say, you, know, you presumably men, as I did, said to my wife one day, I love you. And then she's saying the next day, do you love me? And I'm thinking, Ooh. have you forgotten? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Debt, I mean, we're not exempt here. You know, this is representative of South Africa. Household debt is on average 80% of income. Those of you who are between 31 and 45, which looks like an awful lot of you here this morning, <laughs> <laughs> have the most debt. Savings. Oh, look at this. The, reserve, the world's reserve bank. I mean, don't receive this. Let's just see what the Word of God has to say, which we're going to do very shortly. You are supposed to be the world's worst savers. Oh, really? Okay, let's find out what the Word of God says. And only 31% of you have got any funds left for emergencies. Do you know what? I'm not talking to you this morning. I'm talking to the people out there. The people out there are the ones that we're going to be bringing in. I mean, I would love you to give Pastor and his wife a massive problem. I mean, let's just, and he'll say, Mark, he said, I've got plenty of problems already. No, I'm talking about a real problem. <laughs> like, how do we seat a thousand people? <laughs> Two services, three services, another building, you know? What does Isaiah said? you know, about extending our tent pegs? Why are we gonna keep this to ourselves? If the world has got all these problems, this morning, this is about you catching hold of the Word of God because Christ meets us all as our point of need. And there are people out there who are needy. There are people in my country uh, during the global financial crisis committed suicide as a result of their financial problems. So we're in the grip of debt and we're not saving and, so, and our finances are very finely balanced. So here's what I want to do. I want you to imagine on this side, that you're going to save 15,000 rand a year for 40 years, all right? So after 40 years, you've saved 15,000 times 40, which sounds like about 600,000 rand, 
all right? On this side of the room, I want you to imagine that you have got a credit card debt of 83,333 rand. You think, why has he chosen 83,333,000 rand? Because the average credit card interest rate, and I know there's a bit of a range in South Africa, but a typical rate, I think, is about 18%. So the interesting thing here is that you're saving 15,000 rand a month for 40 years. Over on this side, they're just about able to pay the interest on the credit card. And 18% of 83,333 rand is 15,000 rand. So they're saving 600,000 rand, and you are keeping this debt constant for 40 years, and you're paying in total the same 600,000 that they're saving. So now, at 7%, oh, I've, I've shown you everything, haven't I? Here you go. At 7%, in total, the interest that's added to your 600,000 will mean that you've got a total of 3.3 million rand. But if we go and look at the directors of the credit card company, they're just charging over twice the interest that you're earning. But at 18%, on that 600,000 rand that you've paid them, at 18%, they're making 112 million rand. That's what I call wicked. The Bible says that we should not charge usury rates of interest. What does the Bible have to say? Oh, this is a great verse. The borrower is slave to the lender. You in this country know what slavery is about. But in my city of Bristol, so do I, because all the slaves from the Caribbean came into England through the port of Bristol. It's an incredibly powerful word with incredibly negative and historical uh, issues for us to address. But the Bible says the borrower is slave, or some versions say servant, to the lender. In other words, once you're in debt, if you don't keep making the payment, suddenly the red letters come. Oh, and of course now, because so much is online, we learn how to sort of junk the emails and we bury our heads in the sand. So debt is leads to removal of freedom. Uh, did you notice the verse? Proverbs 22, verse 7. How many mums and dads have I got here? Yeah, two verses come very close together. The preceding verse is Proverbs 22, verse 6. I want you to know this. If you are facing financial issues, you are more than qualified to teach your children about how to better manage money God's way. You are not disqualified. Do you know the next generation with uh, all of this sort of, uh, you know, in fact now, we're going to be able to verify our credit cards in South Africa like that. That is how 
And, you know, we can make sort of uh, cardless or we can make transactions through swiping. I mean, how quickly can you spend 300 rand by doing that? It's so easy. Gone are the days when people have cash. I forget which country it is, but there's one country that is trying to move towards eliminating hard currency. Train up a child, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Parents, you might see at the moment that you have got problems with some of your children. Okay? It happens. You know, Rhoda and I have been through the issues and what have you. I want you to know, you've got them for sort of like 16, 18, 19 years. Pour into them every day love. Pour into them every day wisdom. Give them everything you've got. Dads, if you're at work and you're sort of spending too long at work, we need to learn to look after the family. You know, there is a move that says that we must earn more and more and more but not at the expense of family, not at the expense of relationship with spouses. So training your children is a massive responsibility every single day. Malay, I gather mums here, yeah? Oh, yeah, what a treasure. <laughs> and how you've poured into that young lady's life. Oh, now let's go back to slavery. Because the Bible does use the word slavery. Obey them, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but we should be as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. I'm not afraid to use the word slavery here in South Africa because it's a word that the Bible uses. We must slave, we must be servants of the living God. You are all going to be here at six o'clock. Do you know how I know that? I usually teach for seven hours. <laughs> that's the south african seal of approval i can tell all right so we're now uh, my background uh, and you can make your boos and hisses my ba I, I am an accountant all right <laughs> all right so let's go through this let's see if i can remember this stuff we're going to learn this together the Bible has two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In total, the Bible has 66 books. How many books does the Bible have this morning? 62. The Bible has 1,189 chapters. How many books, sorry, how many chapters does the Bible have? 1, Those 1,189 chapters in total have 33,000 31,102 verses. How many, you've got it easy. <laughs> How many verses does the Bible have? And in the King James Version, which is the version your pastor had in his study this morning, has got 773,692 words. Okay, how, how many words are there in the King James Version? The Bible was written over, uh, the Bible was written uh, on three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. The Bible was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Bible was written over 1,500 years, including sort of like, you know, there's a 400-year gap, isn't there, between Old Testament and New Testament. 
<coughs> the Bible is basically God's story. How many of you are good at reading and enjoy reading? And how many of you know, yeah, my wife's putting her hands up. She's just told me how much she spent on e-books. She must read about a, a hundred books a year. Every good book has a great beginning. It tells you what the story is going to evolve into. Every good book has an ending. And every good book in the middle has a turning point. And, uh, but the Bible does not follow that pattern. The Bible doesn't start at the beginning. Because God was there before in the beginning was the word. The Bible doesn't finish at the end, does it, Malay? <laughs> because we're going to get a lot of fruit. Women, there's a lot of flowers there for us. It sounds the sort of place that we should get to. But interestingly enough, it does conform in the middle. Because Psalm 118, verse 8, which is very, very approximately the middle verse of the Bible, simply says this. It is better to trust in God than in man. And you know, some of these things are massive because you know, where have you put your trust in man? And where have we taken our eyes off Jesus Christ? You know, like Peter did in the boat, he took his eyes off Jesus Christ. And there are other areas in your life and in my life where the world has taken over. I mean, just look at all the adverts. You know, we probably see three or 400 adverts every day. Buy this because you deserve it. It's an incredibly powerful influence. But, you know, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We just have to live and be determined to live in the reality of God's word. We're going to do that by studying his word every single day. Amen. When your pastor teaches to you on prayer, he's got 500 verses to preach on. When your pastor teaches on faith, he's got 500 verses to teach from. But when your pastor and your offering leader teaches on money, there are 700 direct verses in the Bible on money. In total, the MPG of the Bible, do you have mileage per gallon over here? MPG, money, possessions, and giving. There's 2,350 verses on MPG in the Word of God. There are 300 verses on giving to the poor. Jesus himself, one-third of his parables were about the handling of money and possessions. 15% of Jesus' recorded words were about the handling of money and possessions. 49 times Jesus refers to the Old Testament. So let's recognize that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, if I had a lawyer here, I'd ask this question. All scripture, so does that include the Old Testament? Does it include Malachi chapter 3? Possibly yes. All scripture is God-breathed and is great for teaching, correcting, and we all need to be corrected, and training in righteousness. Malay, and all you other young people, keep on daily studying the Word of God. Hey, there's only 31,102 words to read. A thousand a day. You'll be through it in no time. <laughs> Anyhow, my favorite verse in the New Testament after John 3.16. Those of you who are on the course, you've heard this before. It simply says this, and I've chosen the J.B. Phillips version. Uh, the King James Version says, 
Uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I regularly ask myself what that means for me today. How can I not be conformed to the ways of the world? And how can I, in my thinking, be transformed? Remember, what you think is what you see, is what you say, or is what you do. What you think is what you say, is what you do. We have to be transformed from the inside. Church on a Sunday, this was about worshipping God this morning. This is not the sum total of our Christian walk and our following of God. And so J.B. Phillips, who was an English pastor, wrote this, with what eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, act, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice. Anyhow, the point is this, is that we must not conform to the ways of this world and it's one of the toughest challenges we face as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Because the world wants you to conform. The world wants you to get into debt. 2008, the crisis came, and everybody in the United Kingdom and elsewhere saw a bloodbath with finances. But today, there is more personal debt in the UK than ever there has been before. We've not learned the lesson. Because we continually desire things. I want it. And I want it now. Paul teaches about the importance of contentment. The antidote to the world is being content. And those of you who are here when we were doing the training last year will know that here is my wife who I, I you remember I told you the story about how sort of I sometimes make my wife go to the shop three times and even then we might not buy it on the third time. She's here, she'll tell you it's true. And she'll tell you that about six times I've been looking at that coffee machine and still I haven't bought the coffee machine because I won't conform to the ways of this world. <laughs> Her eyes go heavenwards when I... So what does the Bible say about you and I this morning as believers? We're the salt of the earth. There are people out there who need our salt. They need, because salt brings flavor. What does Jesus Christ do in our lives? Does Jesus Christ not bring meaning, does not bring substance, does not bring direction, does not bring hope from the young lady who stood down here this morning? We are to be the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world when we go out there and say nothing? How can we be the light of the world when we go out there and use inappropriate language? How can we be the light of the world when we go out there and look at inappropriate websites and tarnish the purity of that which was within us? We are to be the light of the world. Otherwise, we could be good for nothing. Let's just ask a question with an answer. How much is enough? And the answer to the question, of course, is how much more do you need? Enough is always... Oh, no one's been able to define how much is enough, but there is a definition. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Money is like seawater. The more you have, the thirstier you get. 
Today's message is now going to start. <laughs> you thought I was kidding about being here at 6 o'clock and handing over. Uh, I said to pastor, it's 11 o'clock, can you lock the doors? He said, oh, yes. I want you to know this. I think the Bible shows very clearly that he owns it all. The other thing is, do you know what? Sometimes we can, we can hear things, but they don't go into our very being, where, we, where our lives and our thinking are changed by the word of God. In other words, we've got to move beyond head knowledge and get this stuff hammered down so that it becomes in every sinew of our body and our thinking and our acting. How many of you have had a young baby that might be sort of six to 12 months old? Come in my household, my youngest son, who's married to a third generation African minister, uh, African girl. Uh, she's got a seven month old. Uh, he is just starting to walk and crawl over his two sisters. And I'm looking and thinking, oh, very soon he'll learn to beat those two girls up. <laughs> he's been looking at them thinking, you wait till I get up there. So, so, so now he's walking. And of course, very soon he's going to be using that wonderful M word. No, ladies, it's not mum, it's mine. So you know, you say, well, how can somebody call a baby sinful? Just wait six or nine months and you'll start to see some of the reasons why we are all born into sin and why we need the Lord Jesus Christ who died that we might have our sins forgiven. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. When your preacher, when your pastor stands here, there's no condemnation coming from the front of this church, but there is a pointing to Jesus Christ. That's all we can do and say, Jesus Christ is our answer. I've heard that before. Yeah, but when you live in it, you'll know that Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen. So we all have the DNA of ownership. I mean, just imagine. Um, I, I've actually not quite got enough money to drive around to uh, Cape Town. So is there anyone that can let me have their car? <laughs> and you say, sure, there's my car. And then when he comes back, you know, was the fuel in it? <laughs> Are there any scratches on it? I mean, we all understand ownership, don't we? It's mine. You know, can I borrow your tools at the... No, can I borrow your... No, I, that's sexist. Can I borrow some tools from you? <laughs> I can need a hammer, a screwdriver, and, and then if I don't return them. Have you ever lent a book to somebody and never had it back? Yeah. <laughs> how do you feel? Or how do you feel if somebody is lent money and they don't return the money to you? Here's a lesson when it comes to lending money. Whenever you lend money, write it off in your heart and mind. Because the Bible talks about the fact that, you know, if you have lent money to somebody, it's hard to love the people if they haven't repaid you. So sometimes we need to set these things free. So where's my lawyer? They're going to be in the church next time I come because you're going to get these lawyers born again. They're not exempt from the kingdom and riches of heaven. My lawyer will tell me, everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O oh Lord. Uh, she's given me permission to tell this story. Uh, with Pastor Ossian and I, we met in um, Carmel, Bristol. And the pastor there was Pastor Jerry de Sommer. Uh, your pastor knows Michelle, his wife. 
So we are sat in a training session. Pastor Jerry had me train 12 of his pastors in biblical finance. One of the things they have to do is to sign what we call a quit deed. And the quit deed says, I acknowledge that everything belongs to God. Pastor Michelle, who has given me permission, I promise you to say this, Pastor Michelle, the, 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 the main leader in the church with her husband, said, I'm not signing that. Why is she not signing it? Because I'm not prepared to put my diamonds on the list and acknowledge that they belong to God. <laughs> two weeks later on the next course, we have a break. It's a two-hour training course, and in the middle we have a break for coffee, and she came back from the, me from the ladies' room, and she said, right, I'm ready to sign it. Four weeks later, she gave her diamonds away. And are you with me? Accepting that God owns everything, our home, our children, our fights, these are things that are not easy. They're not in the natural something that we can say this belongs to God. We adore you as being in control and everything. Pastor was talking about wealth building. You know, riches and honor come from you alone. And this is your kingdom. We adore you. Do you not get the adoration from Malay this morning? We adore you. You can leave Malay. I won't make any more references to you. You just, <laughs> you just touched my wife and I this morning. Riches and honor come from you alone. Not from the world. Not from quick schemes. So now let's just get a bit of verification. Psalm 24, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, a mirror verses. They both say exactly the same thing. And it simply says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I mean the word everything. Legal definition of everything. It all belongs to God. Let's go to the end of the Bible. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. My life, or well, the Bible tells me that, uh, what does the Bible say about life? Um, it's like a it, uh, vapor, yes? That's very close to the word I was thinking of, but it does. It's, uh, it's a, a, a cloud of mist, here today and gone tomorrow. <coughs> so what does God own? You are not your own, you were bought at a price. God actually created us in the first place. So having created us and having owned us, he's then bought us twice. Because the second time round was through the death of Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with our bodies, with our thoughts, our minds, our deeds, our eyes with what we watch, our resources with what we buy, the words that we speak out. Let's speak words of love and encouragement to one another. I'm British. We know what it is to criticize. <laughs> it's not something you South Africans have ever really learned, but we're British, so we learn to criticize and, and speak behind people's backs. Let's learn to say positive and encouraging and things that are a blessing. Let's appreciate the good in other people rather than the sort of things that, you know, it's like, what does the Bible say about taking take the moat out of your own eye? I'd like you to know this morning, you're seeing a lot of scripture. You have no obligation, absolutely zero obligation to believe anything I say today. 
You're not obligated to believe anything. The only obligation you have is to believe the word of God that's on the screen. And I come this morning to soak you with the word of God because uh, he's choosing to use the foolishness of men's words. Forget the fact that I'm more advanced in years than most of you. Forget the fact that I have seen to have an accountancy qualification. The Bible tells us that he uses the foolishness of man's words. You know, when you're sharing the gospel with other people, just share your heart, just share your life, just share your understanding. It's the Holy Spirit that brings people to that point. You never know how hard that person might be on the outside, how needy they are on the inside. And often people who are hard, people who seem to have life worked out, on the inside there's an emptiness. So he owns the silver and the gold. Owns every animal. We're going to a safari park. That's one of the reasons why I brought my wife over here. Uh, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, the Bible doesn't say this, but I think he also owns the hills as well. <laughs> so God is owner, like you are owner, you think of the house, have some responsibilities. Joseph, we learned, was going to be harmed by his brother, but God took him to be the second most powerful person in the kingdom of uh, Egypt. And in so doing, saved many lives. Oh, do not make the mistake of looking at other people. You know, we have the class system in England still, you know, so uh, he is wealthier than I am, okay? But he is poor, you know? We're all equal in God's sight. Two eyes, two ears. God works for the good of those who love him. I want you to know this. That this is what I've learned about the Christian life. God, nowhere in the word, promises that the road won't be steep. And he never promises that the road won't be rough. Right this minute in England, we've just come through winter, and you drive your car down the road, and you have to swerve. My Volkswagen tells me that the driver needs to take a rest. And I'm saying, no, you're not. That's silly. The reason I'm swerving around the road is because I'm trying to miss all those flipping potholes. <laughs> Life has potholes. And we need to make sure that we take in the word of God, hear and receive and by faith outwork the word of God. That way, although he doesn't promise that the road won't be steep and the road won't be rough, we have God alongside us. Actually, you also have brothers and sisters. You have church leaders, you know, who are here to help you. You're not in this on your own. When people come through those doors for the second service pastor, you know, they need people who are trained. You know, let's get on from the milk onto the meat. Amen. I mean, I came to South Africa to introduce my wife to real, soft, succulent meat, as opposed to what we get in England. How many of you have been to England and know the meat can be a little bit tough? Yeah. God provides. I mean, we have to believe his words. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. We have to right-size our mind. Paul says this, God only promises to meet our needs, shelter, food, and clothing. Now, if the Bible was rewritten today, it would, of course, be written in America. So it would say, shelter, food, clothing, car, gas. <laughs> Pray for those people. <laughs> and their leader. So you can see the references on there. 
God gives according to our capacity. Here's the, those of you that were here last year with me know that this is the verse that I said, I don't accept this verse. Because you know, the verse sort of says, this is the, the parable of the talents, you know, to where two get converted into four. I want you to know this. I have proof that I am not particularly intelligent. Because at the age of 16, I failed most of my school exams. You know, you sort of like talk about kids getting in with the wrong crowd. Yeah, well, the problem was I was the wrong crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was all already born again, but I got down on my knees and said, God, if you will help me get, get back to school and go through my exams, I will always work hard for you. From that day onwards, I never failed an exam. But God showed me it's not my ability, it's the ability that he's given us. So you might think, like me, that you're not very clever, not very talented. But you know what? Pull down from God. Amen. Wisdom, insight, you know? God lifts the foolish. God lifts the poor and says, you are not foolish any longer. You are wise because you follow my precepts, my ways. So God is the owner. That means that we are his stewards. A few responsibilities. He trusts us with his work. That's in Psalm 8 verses 3 to 6. I'm not going to read all the verses because I know we only have a certain amount of time. Luke 16, 10 to 12. So if you've not been trusty, trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust the true riches? The Bible talks about the fact that we should invest in friends in heaven. As we give in to the church, see beyond this building and the pastor and see that we're giving into the most holy of causes, that we're giving that which he's given us, because he owns it all, and giving to the church leaders the responsibility. Sure, there's housekeeping costs to pay for, just like there are for your home. But there's a heartbeat in the church of mission. There's a heartbeat in the church of outreach. And there's a heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ that says that I died for the people who live next to you. I died for the people in your family. The writer of Acts said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I've learned this. Uh, this is not in Bible, so you're not obligated to believe this. There are five types of giving. The first type of giving is what I call invisible money. That is what we call in Scripture the tithe. It sort of has come through your account and it goes into the church because everything belongs to God, not just 10%, but 100%. So the first level of giving is that money which we faithfully give back to God. When you do your budgets, my wife and I always put giving at the very top because sometimes we give out of the residue. Oh, and there isn't much left this week. So the first type of giving is invisible giving. The second type of giving is what I call pocket money. The third type of giving is what you get in your handbag, or gentlemen, what you and I get in our wallets. The fourth type of giving is bank account money, whether it's check or through giving sort of online and what have you. And the fifth type of giving is serious giving. You know, where you're sort of feeling the call to give far beyond the measure that you would normally give. I want you to know this, though. You are never, my brother, you are never more like Jesus than when you're giving. 
you are never more like Jesus than when you're giving. So we know that not many South Africans are saving. That must include some of you. This is a day where I'm not asking you for you to take massive action. <laughs> I'm asking you to start a journey of looking at what the Bible says about the handling of money and possessions. I came here a stone and a half overweight four and a half months ago. In four and a half months, I have lost one stone. It takes time to lose the weight I've put on. To get out of debt, it's not going to take five minutes. And we must not give up. Paul tells us that we must persevere. And said, if you're in debt, start saving. What? Because, you know, if you don't have an emergency saving, which 70% of South Africans don't, when the household appliance breaks down, when the car needs a sort of some attention, are you with me? We go into debt. And then we sort of feel the hopelessness. And, oh, you know, I heard that man, but it doesn't work. It does work because it's the word of God. 773, 770, anyway, you've been there and know that. <laughs> okay, and there's loads of things the Bible talks about investing, which I won't go through. <coughs> In Matthew, the writer of Matthew said this, and notice how he put it round. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. The Bible does not say where your heart is, there will be your treasure. So our heart's in our faith, but is our treasure following? The point is this, is that our treasure follows our heart. Sorry, our heart follows our treasure, but does the treasure follow our heart? 1 Timothy 6 is a great chapter to read, especially those who have wealth. Look at this fabulous word. Command those, command, who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Those of you who have wealth, wealth does bring a certain amount of swagger and arrogance. Look at Mr. Trump briefly. That's, that's enough. Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And then reading on in Timothy, godliness. Do we not always want to be godly? Godliness with contentment. Let us be content. The world wants to make you discontent. is great gain. We came into this world with nothing, and we're going to take nothing out. But look at this. Those who desire to get rich. I can think of no stronger warning from Paul about money than this. Fall into temptation. Look at the duplication of words. Paul says, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation. They fall into a trap and into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into destruction. And incidentally, the word fall there in the original Greek talks about continuous falling, not just a one-off fall, it's continuous. And then the Bible says this, and people so often misquote this, for the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. They've become self-sufficient. Why do I need God when I've got all this money? But the Bible tells us that wealth can fly on eagle's wings. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. I want to have a new car. 
I want to have the new Xbox. Uh, I want, are you with me? And suddenly we get consumed and dream about these things. And our thoughts of Christ ebb away. Oh, and then I can't go to church this Sunday because I've got to go and do this and got to go and do that. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. One of the ways you store up treasures in heaven is by investing on earth for friends in heaven. On your bookstall today, Edith has very kindly allowed us. We have a few books. Train up a child in the ways of the Lord. We have two books. One of them called Give, Save, Spend. The other one is The Secret. Give, Save, Spend is for those who are seven and under. The Secret is for those who are eight to 12. We teach about 10 different lessons about ownership, stewardship. There's a book called Bought, and there's a Bible study with 40 studies called Blueprint, and I believe that Edith still has some copies. If you're in business uh, or a business manager, there's a book and a study called Business by the Book. Pastor Eric has uh, allowed me to come back when I'm here in July to present that one-day study. And uh, it's called Navigating Your Finance God's Way. We've changed the title. It's still the same study. I'd love you to come and come on this journey. Between now and then, you could take a book. You could start to pray about the verses. Start to think and plan about money. I was sharing this morning with Pastor Eric how... My wife and I, every year, sit down and have a, a God-inspired day talking about our finances. But finally, uh, it was Easter Monday, and we were taking our grandchildren out for uh, a ride. I got up, and we'd agreed the di different duties. Rhoda was going to get the girls dressed, or just look after them. They're 8 and 11, so you probably didn't, don't dress them now. But uh, I, I prepared the picnic. And then I decided I'd go and get a ground sheet and I'd go and uh, pack the car with the picnic. And as often I do, I have my phone and my wallet together. Then I only have to think once, have I got them? <laughs> and I put these outside as I was packing the car on top of the car. And I packed the car and we got in the car and we drove off. And after 15 minutes, I needed to make a phone call. So I made a phone call. And I spoke to whoever I was going to speak to. I, truthfully, actually, the call was not that clear. I thought, well, maybe we're just in an area where there isn't uh, a lot of sort of signal. I'm probably going to ask my wife to share the story and what happened and what she's feeling out of the story. Hi. Well, Mark was able to make the phone call because we have a Bluetooth. <laughs> so uh, we thought, oh, well, the, the um, phone must be in the car somewhere because we hadn't been able to locate it. Uh, so we went and we had a lovely day with the children. Didn't think anything too much of it because I had my purse with me. So Mark said, you'll have to bail me out for the day. So that was fine. <laughs> uh, and we got home and quite unsuspecting that we'd left this on top of the car. But when we got home, we had a neighbor who called out to us and said, Mark, did you know you've lost your wallet? And we, we didn't realize. And then, of course, Mark realized that we'd lost the phone as well. 
And uh, he'd already, uh, our neighborhood, uh, somebody had brought back, they'd found it at the wallet uh, a mile away, and they brought it back and put it through the door. Nothing missing, absolutely as it was. Then, of course, we realized that no phone either. And uh, what had happened is the person who found the phone, is that right, called the... No, no, my neighbor phoned me to say, I found your wallet, so don't cancel the cards. He phoned the phone, and the road sweeper who'd rescued the phone from the middle of the road was able to answer and say, give Mark this phone number and have him call me, because I have his phone. It's a miracle, because we were coming away and uh, in the wallet uh, was driving license and we're going to be hiring a car tomorrow for our holiday. And uh, also, uh, the only thing that happened to the phone was it was a little bit damaged and he had to have the glass replaced. And Mark said, I don't know what this is about really, but he felt God was really in this. And as I, he was telling uh, the story this morning to the pastor, God said, I protected you. You see, because we haven't held our wallet or anything out of the baptismal pool. We have immersed it and we have submitted it to God and it is under his covering. And that's what I believe God was saying today, a now word, that he is our protector. He is our provider, but he is also our protector. And if we will bring all things under his word, So when we talk about submission, we're talking about knowing and understanding his word and bringing everything under his word. And he can be our ongoing protector. Amen and hallelujah. (laughs) Wow. I don't know if anyone here, maybe you have been weighed down, maybe in the area of your finances, and you really need God to intervene. You know, we're going to pray for you right now. I believe that uh, as the word was going on, I just felt that there are some people that actually need um, a supernatural intervention, you know. God, maybe you did some dumb things, yeah. We all do sometimes, but um, by God's grace, I believe that um, by His grace upon their lives, what you don't know is that, I mean, they've been tremendously blessed by God, tremendously, and but they've been able. To master this area. The spirit of mammon does not have control over them. They've been able to master that. And I believe that there is a grace upon their lives. There is a grace upon their lives that is being released, even as you were sharing. But more than that, if there's anybody that needs specific ministry, want to make that um, call for you just to come out. If there's anybody like that. 
especially if it's a desperate situation. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jesus. they confess their need to you this morning, that this might be the beginning, the beginning of a journey. And Father, I pray that you will drop into their spirit over the coming hours and days an understanding of what that journey is. And Father, I pray that through faith all things are possible. Father, I stand against the word impossible. I stand against, Father, giving up. And Father, I pray over these dear brothers and sisters and for the children. Father, I pray over hope. I pray over them hope and a certainty that your word will come to pass. Father, I pray for Pastor Eric, for Uber and church for wisdom father will you add to them and into them the skills and the understanding that father as these are men and women schooled in your word that you might lift them up and give them the authority and give them respect from those who stood at the front this morning father i know not whether it's debt i know not whether there is a financial crisis Father, I pray that at the foot of the cross this morning, all needs are understood in Christ. And Father, as they listen to men's words, may they really be hearing your words and receiving by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you all to seek forgiveness all sinners. Christ died that we should be set free. But the Bible tells us this. He didn't just die for our sins on the cross for salvation. 
He died for the sins of yesterday, for the sins of last week. There is no condemnation for the situation that you face. There is only God with his arms outreached, saying, you're in my family. I am your brother this morning, and I love you more than ever you could realize. Husbands and wives, I encourage you to break the barriers in the area of finance, if there has been a barrier. I encourage you humbly to pray and to talk through what you're both feeling. For those of you who are stronger in finance, bring up and encourage the one in your marriage who is weaker. For those of you who are dead, here's what I want to say to you. Not one rand more. The cycle has to stop. Be content. Don't allow the world out there, which has its greed and is happy for you to be in debt, stand against the world by receiving Jesus Christ and by following his words. He's given us so much because he knows that financial problems will compete for our love of him. That's why there is so much in scripture because money can be so often associated with mammon, a spiritual power. But take heart, this is the beginning of a journey. You have not come forward to have your problem solved. You have come forward at the foot of the cross to say, God, will you lift me up? Because for all of us, we all need people who will lift us up. And today, Jesus is lifting you up. But he's put over you a leadership team. The worst thing we can do is be this morning say, well, that was interesting. And um, the best thing we can do is say, God, I'm on my knees. I was in an Anglican church. We learned to get on our knees. If you have got knees that will take the weight, get on your knees. Get before God. And then the Bible tells us that a wise man, a wise woman seeks counsel. Young children, Parents are a good source of counsel. But God has given you church leaders. God has given you church leaders who love you, pray for you. It's a bit like this. We don't easily talk about sex with other people. But likewise, we don't talk about money. Walk through that barrier and be prepared to talk to others. There is nothing to be ashamed about in coming forward. This is the first step. There are further steps. I pray that God will give each one of you an understanding and an insight as to what those next steps are. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.